Open URFM and Peter and Gordon starting off Thursday finance today on 2NURFM. In fact, uh, it's a quarter past 12. And before we get on to currencies and commodities, Stephen Pritchard, um, good news for power users. The power companies are offering discounts. Well, they're kind of offering a discount, if you, but the trouble is you don't actually know what you're getting because they're offering these discounts of 20% and 25% and 14% and all over the place. But, but, but really, that, it doesn't mean anything. If you, if you don't know what you're getting the discount off, it's, it's like going into a shop and you know, buying an apple and one shop's offering you a 10% discount and the other shop's offering you a 50% discount. The only trouble is that the shop that's offering you a 10% discount, the apple price is 10 cents and the 50% discount, the apple price is a dollar. So, so, so it's not really compared. Pairing apples with that. No, so I've been thinking about this a bit because you, you, you know what you really need to know is what the is what the the kilowatt rate is, and they they seem to be very reluctant to 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 quote you what the the kilowatt rate the rate per kilowatt both before and after the discount is. Plus, there's all these other bits and pieces on your bill. So I've kind of been thinking about this, and we used to have the same problem with the various financial institutions. And what what was then decided was that there needed to be a comparative rate brought in. Uh, that, that, that's a simple way of comparing um, bank loans or other financial institutions' home loans together, which incorporates all the fees and charges and the interest rate. So I think what really needs to be done to straighten out this whole mess and, and so consumers can, can actually work out whether the discount is worth anything at all, which in some cases I suspect it's really not, um, is, is a comparative rate needs to be published uh, incorporating all the charges, the connection charges, the service availability charges, the rate per kilowatt charges and the discounts, and, and then you'll be in a position to go to AGL and Energy Australia and, and whoever else is their origin um, and, and compare what you're actually paying. Other, other than at uh, the moment, it's just a complete mess. It's really hard to compare. It's extremely yeah. difficult. And they, when, when they finally, after numerous attempts, I finally extracted the, the, the rates of a supplier, the thing's pages and pages long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's it's, 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 it's a bit like time. an old insurance policy yeah. that you know, 150 pages long, so no one could understand what it actually meant. So there are, in fact, some uh, yeah, occasions. And it's a simple where thing that you know the government needs to to introduce legislation that they have to quote an all up rate, uh, so you can compare from one to the other, and they need to put those rates up on the website and not secret documents that you're very she can extract if you're persistent enough and that would be good news oh it'd be but it would be helpful it wouldn't cost uh, it, it wouldn't cost the taxpayer any money at all apart from passing the legislation and after and it wouldn't cost the energy companies any money at all to produce that type of document now whether they want to produce it's another issue mm. Mm. okay let's have a look at currencies and commodities what are commodities up to uh companies the gold price is up two percent on the week i mean probably there's been a bit of concern about the warmongering efforts in uh, north korea and various other things so we're up to sixteen hundred and fifty three dollars an ounce this week uh the copper price was up four 4.7% on the week to 8623 a tonne. And the crude oil price was up another 1.6% to $72.69 a tonne. Mm. A barrel. A barrel. You didn't notice that. <laughs> barrel. Um, and the Australian dollar, the Australian dollar was up a little bit against the US dollar to 77.95 cents. Um, the Great British Pound were down a little bit to 58.94 
pence. <laughs> yes. And pence, you know, remember all these things. And euro, the euro, we're down 1.2% to 65.72 euro cents. Um, the oil ordinaries, um, the oil ordinaries is, uh, is up 2%, um, to 5,840. I mean, if we get to, if it gets to 6,000, you realise it'll be the first time in 10 years it's got to 6,000. <laughs> we're still so hoping for we're that. Still aren't hoping. We still haven't gone back up to pre-GFC highs. So we, we, we started, we're backing the upwards trend again though. Uh, the S&P was 2,555, which is up 1.1% um, on the week. Uh, the UK was pretty much steady at 7,530. And the Hang Seng Index was pretty much steer at 28,389. Um, lots of black ink here on a few of the local favourite stocks, as BHP was up 2% on the week to $26.63. Uh, CBA's made a bit of a recovery uh, to $76.35, which is up 1.3%. Uh, NIB it was up 4.4% uh, to $5.90. And there's a, there's a shareholder entitlement around for that. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a discount on the new shares, so people should think about taking that up. And uh, Telstra, even Telstra managed to get up 3% of the week for $3.48. Um, and the petrol price, the petrol price was uh, pretty much steady in Newcastle, $1.22.6 a litre. Sydney was up 10% to $1.34.2. And the diesel in Newcastle was down a bit to $1.25. And Sydney was $1.27.7, so up 2%. We, we haven't really seen a spike in petrol prices throughout the beginning, the middle or the end of the school holidays in this area. Uh, no. No. Are we still in school holidays? No, no, we're not. They are over. <laughs> but people come back and they need to buy petrol to uh, go to work. Yes. Well, I'm a bit confused about school holidays at the moment because my son's at home doing all this HSC study and I don't know oh. where we're in holidays or study periods. I, oh, I know this HSC is a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare for the parents as well. And our market update now. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings, Senior Commentator with the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. Um, I see that uh, Coles or, or Meyer has got a new chairman. <laughs> yep, um, it has. It didn't really expect to, but it has. Um, its previous chairman, uh, Paul McClintock, um, had signalled his intention to hand over the reins to, uh, to a gentleman by the name of Gary Hounsell, who was the former spotless chairman, um, and then he decided to stay on. And then he had a bit of a stoush with Solly Lou, who has ran 11% of Meyer and has been doing some serious agitating on the performance of the department store. And he's decided to take his bat and ball and sneak off quietly into the background now and will be stepping down sooner than he had previously said. And Gary Hounsell will now be taking over. So um, there's obviously some, uh, some bit of bad blood between Well, the performance of the company's been terrible. So it has been woeful. Yeah, so, yeah. It has been. I'm not, you know, I, I, some, uh, you have to feel a little sorry for Maya because the, the whole retail world has, has changed um, and they really haven't sort of kept up that, that old business model of the department store really has not been working particularly well. And it's not just Maya. Um, mm -hmm. you know, David Jones has also been suffering as well, but of course we don't see it quite so glaringly because... Um,
trouble, and Bellamy's was in a bit of trouble, but seems to have got out of trouble. Um, yeah, well, I think they've been let off quite lightly, and I, I did write something today in the newsletter about this, because Bellamy's were under investigation from ASIC for breaching their continuous disclosure requirements uh, some time ago. I remember Bellamy's had a kind of a near-death experience. Anyway, they, they settled with ASIC for a massive fine of $66,000, which is really, you know, it's going to pay for ASIC's Christmas party if they're lucky. Um, so they've paid 66 grand. They haven't admitted any liability, and they can now get on with it. And get on with it, they have. Um, the stock price is going very, very well. Um, and they came out this morning with uh, 15 to 20% revenue growth forecast as well. So from some... Some, uh, you know, some near-death experiences when it was trading below three, well, around three dollars seventy. It's now ten dollars thirty-seven. So it really has been a spectacular performer, as has some of the others. Blackmore's is another one that has been a spectacular performer in that space, um, and that's that's risen from around uh, ninety bucks to one hundred and thirty-one dollars. And uh, A2 Milk is another one that's really gone bananas. Um, I was only talking about it on Sky a couple of weeks ago, how you know, if it broke through uh, six bucks, it would keep going. It broke through six bucks, and now it's um, actually broken through seven bucks. So, quite extraordinary. And the other thing I saw in your news this morning was, was a comment about Transurban. Yeah. Well, Transurban's kind of in a bit of a dilemma, I guess. They're, they're kind of... Cr- it's a bit like Sydney Airport in terms of, uh, you know, there's an asset that, that is coming up for sale, or in Sydney Airport's case, it was the... Um, Badgerys Creek um, development and Transurban have got the chance I guess to buy uh, half of West Connects which is a uh, Sydney uh, road network which has been quite divisive and quite unpopular with some some people um, but Transurban has um, you know a pretty much a monopoly on, on road toll assets in Australia I think there's only three roads uh, that it doesn't have a, the, the tolls that it doesn't own um, Harbour Bridge and Harbour Tunnel are two of those so it's, it's got a pretty big monopoly, and the question is, if it does buy WestConnex, people are worried that it will overpay for it. Um, they're also worried that there might have to be an equity issue to uh, fund part of it. Or the other thing is that somebody else gets it, a competitor uh, pays up, and that sort of opens up the landscape a little bit more to uh, competition. But um, now the, the numbers came out this morning. They showed uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid uh, results for Transurban, up 1.1% in terms of... Uh, terms of traffic volume and, and everything seems to be you know going quite well it's, it's, it is a great business but it is you know, they call it a bond proxy because it has a lot of debt and as a result it does um it does tend to move with interest rates if interest rates go up you see these bond proxy stocks slide a little bit but uh, it's, it's looking pretty healthy at the moment and and the other thing that's that, that, that seems to have launched some new technology is is nine nine net nine entertainment launched something called nine galaxy where you're going the advertiser going to be able to buy the advertising online. Yeah, I I, I had a look for this story, Stephen. I was a bit flummoxed, I have to say, because um, it was actually they announced this last year, a whole year ago, and it was supposed to be invented by February this year. Ah, well, it's here now. So um, it, they've obviously been dawdling. I mean, I wouldn't go near um, free-to-air TV as an investment with a barge pole. It is a broken model, um, and I don't know how they fix it because I think it's unfixable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, people just are drifting off to um, 
to streaming services and better television elsewhere. Mm. So, um, you know, good luck with the new venture, but it was announced a year ago. I looked it up, and the only thing I could find was um, from, from November 2016. Oh. Okay. And Burrell, um, one of the research houses put out a report saying that Burrell's the best way to access the $100 billion infrastructure boom. Uh, well, yeah, we, we, we actually wrote up about Borrell a little while ago. Um, these guys have taken a very big bet in the U.S. Um, they bought a, a sort of a, a mind-blowing uh, and a company-changing acquisition in the U.S. Yep. Um, called Headwaters. Um, and um, they certainly seem to be one of the beneficiaries. And, of course, they've got a lot of uh, rebuilding to do after a couple of hurricanes. They've got Puerto Rico. Um, now they've got California to rebuild. So there, there's certainly some good opportunities for uh, for for borrow out in the U.S. with their uh, with their building products. So um, yeah, the future looks bright uh, for borrow at the moment. So yeah, all well, good. Well, we'll come back in a minute and talk about um, the bright future for Mantor, uh, Mantra as it becomes Sofitel. Oh, it's gone. Gone. Oh. So when we go travelling now, uh, the, the, the Mantra hotels are going to be part of the uh, ACOR group? Well, not too fast, my fine-feathered friend. Uh, um, I was getting queued up to use my ACOR card. Um, but certainly the board of Mantra rolled over very quickly to have their tummy tickled uh, by ACOR. They've, uh, they've agreed this morning unanimously to recommend the, um, the takeover by ACOR. The only issue, um, bridges to cross that is, is that it does require FERB approval, Foreign Investment Review Board approval, and it will probably also require the ACCC to have a little look at it because these are the two largest hotel chains in Australia. Um, I think Mantra's got around 40,000 rooms or something. Um, so it's going to be looked at by the ACCC. So there's always a, a question mark over whether they will allow it to go through, being two big uh, behemoths of the hotel business. But um, the market, uh, the market, I guess, is a kind of assuming that it's going to go through. The bid's at 396. That's currently trading at 386. So um, there's a little bit of scope in there for uh, for uh, people if they're convinced it's going to go through, but it will take a little bit of time. So, um, But, yeah, it does. They, they rolled over very quickly. It was only announced the other day. And they said, oh, you know, we'll let them have some due diligence. And then it's, oh, yeah, you know what? You just, just jump into bed with these guys. Mm -hmm. It works. So uh -huh. but very quick. Indeed. So we be able to use our ACOR cards there and get more, more points, which I don't know what to do with. Anyhow, so Domino's, there's now, now some concerns raised about the profitability of the franchisees. Um, yeah, I mean, Domino's is a stock that I, I have to say I love to hate. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a massive short position in it, and they're um, about to, um, to, I think it's the Productivity Commission that's uh, looking at uh, award wages and how um, wages are paid to their workers uh, within Domino's. And, of course, there is an argument that says that uh, if they had to pay the higher wages, then some of these franchisees would become unprofitable, and the whole Domino's model kind of falls apart. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what the uh, what the ruling is on this one. But um, you know, the stock price has come down a long way. There's 15% of the stock shorted, you know, um, what they call shorted. So people have sold it, hoping to buy it back cheaper, it's, which is a big position. Um, the stock has come down. It's probably looking a little bit cheaper now than it has done for a little while um, in terms of outlook growth. And, and they've got um, you know, their, their big operations overseas in France, Germany, and Japan. 
um, with all those economies going quite well, you would imagine that maybe we'll get some decent numbers out of um, out of there. But certainly there are some concerns with uh, with their wages bill. That's for sure. And speaking of short positions, there's increasing short positions in Rio. Um, there is, there is. It's, it's very hard to uh, it's hard to draw um, too many conclusions from this. Um, the Rio currently there's nine percent of the stock shorted so that's quite a lot however you have to bear in mind that rio is quoted not just in australia but in london as well and a lot of people put on what they call the rio spread so you will buy rios in one place and you sell it in the other place so in theory you're hedged you don't have any exposure to rio and in theory the two move together they're not exchangeable for each other you can't uh, turn one into the other and the premium or discount blows and moves around but um, it may be that people are selling the one here because the one in the UK is cheaper mm-hmm. so it, there could be 9% extra longs in the UK as a, and with 9% shorted here so um, it does look of course though iron ore is a bit on the nose at the moment it's down, I think it's down 35% from its high so um, people have fallen out of love with iron ore and Rio of course very much exposed to that iron ore price so um, that might be one reason why the shorts are increasing but it also might be that London buyers are buying the stock there and selling the stock here and just one other thing before we wrap up is platinum asset management the shares seem to have made a bit of a remarkable recovery over the last haven't they yes. haven't they uh, it looks like um, you know Kerr Nielsen seems to have got his magic back now I, I think that the performance of the funds is looking better um, and they're getting more inflows into uh, into the business in terms of funds, and of course, um, I guess you know with with a strong Aussie dollar at eighty cents, and every man and his dog, including us, saying diversify, young man, go west, go east, go anywhere. You know, you look you look at Australia, and it's it's a kind of a, a moribund, uh, dull market dominated by banks and BHP and Rio. And then you look at all the opportunities elsewhere in the world, and you think, oh, that's exciting, especially with the dollar at 80 cents. So I think they're gaining some uh, pickup from that side of things, and that's helping drag in funds, and, and funds make prizes. Funds make good Christmas for fund managers. You know, they charge fees on the money they look after. So um, it's, uh, it's certainly been on a, a tear recently, as have um, Macquarie and, and um, mm-hmm. Magellan and BT. So they've all been doing pretty well. Um, mainly the guys that look after money um, in offshore accounts because uh, that has been attractive for local investors looking to get set in you know, Apple and the Googles and the, and the, you know, the Facebooks of this world as opposed to the um, CBAs. So is Marcus today, <laughs> is Marcus today on Facebook? Um, yeah, it is actually. Oh, we, do, we, do have a, we do have a Facebook page. I'll have to get... I'll have to go and have a look. I I wouldn't get too excited. I'm not sure we're really that um, cutting edge in terms of social media. Um, Our market is probably not as wrapped in social media as as, um, as other people's markets, but we do try from time to time. But you do deliver your newsletters electronically. Yeah, we do. We we send out an email and it's all on our website at marcustoday.com.au. We we had a pretty big win recently with that. We tipped, uh, we put Blackmores into our portfolios and... uh, put it as a trade and we're up 44% in 56 days. That's all right. Which is pretty good. It's excellent, Henry. Makes up for a lot of sins. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
So we'll come back and talk to you next week about whatever sins we've discovered. Okay, thanks, David. Thanks, David. Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. And uh, we are going to find out about withdrawing money from your superannuation fund with Ian Moranti, who is CEO of Nationwide Superannuation Fund. First of all, though, Craig rang in a little bit earlier, Stephen Pritchard, to ask if there's a chance that the Australian dollar will be coming down between now and November. I dare say Craig's got a holiday booked in November. Yes, well, there's always a chance that that will happen and there's always a chance that it will go up. So the the truthful answer, no one knows. (laughs) There's no indication? uh, uh, And to be honest, really, really, the amount of money, if we're talking about a holiday that the average person spends overseas on a holiday, it it really doesn't make that much difference. you know the the commissions and the fees that are charged will exceed the one cent or two cents you, you, you know mm. um fee uh, difference in the exchange rate but once again i said as i spoke about buying foreign currencies and travelers checks before you need to shop around you need to go somewhere like you know Beaumont street for example where all the major banks are there and just go from one to the other and what you need to do is you say you know, I'm going to give you ten thousand of A dollars. How many US dollars will I get? And forget all the. You know, we don't charge you commission. You know, the the real money's in the spread. Mm-hmm. So you need to go ten thousand dollars of A dollars. How many US dollars I get? And the one that gives you the most US dollars is the one that's giving you the best deal. Hope that helps, Craig. <laughs> and, uh, well, on to our superannuation fund, and hopefully you won't have to make a withdrawal from your superannuation fund to um, go on holiday. Well, you're not allowed to, are there you? There you go. So no. that's out of the question. So, Stephen Pritchard, we've got Ian Moranti here. He's yeah, we've got Ian again from Nationwide Superfund, um, and he's the CEO up there. And I thought today, we have often talk about uh, particularly putting contributions into funds, and, and, and most people know that um, when, when they reach, um, retirement age, um, they they can either get a lump sum or a pension out of their super fund. But there's other there's other ways and other what the reasons you can you can get money out of your fund. So I thought I'd get in along today to talk about um, what and these to get money out you have to satisfy a condition of release. And I thought I'd get in to talk about what a condition of release is. So uh, Ian, yes, welcome Steve. back. Thank you. Uh, a condition of release is the uh, term used to. Uh, define the different reasons that allow you to take money out of your superannuation. Uh, there's just over a dozen uh, different reasons and the conditions of release are set because of the objectives of superannuation and basically that's to provide money for your retirement and that's the uh, emphasis on the uh, conditions of release but there are also a number of other conditions of release uh, for instance, uh, there's one called Compassionate Grounds and to qualify under that you need to make an application to the Department of Human Services and they will determine the uh, the case that you present to them. And it's uh, around areas such as needing funds for medical treatment or medical transport, modifications to your home if you have a family member that has had a severe disability, Uh, It might be that you need money for uh, burial of a family uh, member. So that's the type of things that are covered by uh, compassionate grounds. Um, But some people kind of get get confused about um, their retiring, but there's also age restrictions on that as well. You can't be 52 and say I'm retiring and get your super fund. So how does the retirement fit in with the the, Uh, the age restrictions as well? So there are... 
uh, things called uh, up uh, sorry Stephen uh, based on your age and uh, they're called uh, just trying to think of the term anyway they're, they're but, called but something they're, they're based on uh, on your age and they determine uh, worked out from a date of birth and according to uh, preservation age is the term I was, I was having okay. trouble with yep. uh, preservation age it determines uh, uh, when you can access your money from an age point of view and that age is gradually going up so it was at 55 and it's gradually going up to age 60 and the idea of that is for the government saying to people that uh, you need to be older to be able to access your superannuation from a retirement point of view. And then once you reach the, the preservation age, you, you can't automatically just get the super. You've, you've actually still got to retire. Yes, correct. You have to be able to, if you're uh, 64 or younger, you have to have actually ceased work. So you've got to be able to certify that you have uh, ceased work and provide the details about ceasing work. Uh, but once you get to 65, uh, that is an age-based uh, condition of release. So once you get to 65, that's a, a bit of a landmark as far as your super So, so once you're 65, you can get uh, um, access to your superannuation fund even though if you're continuing to work? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then there's this other thing that, that used to be quite popular, which, which because of the tax changes, is, I suspect isn't going to be as popular, the transition to retirement pensions. Yes, correct. The, uh, that was a, a good strategy uh, prior to some changes that the government introduced recently, uh, where you could start an income stream from your superannuation uh, and use that to supplement your salary income while using some of your salary to put money back into superannuation. So... It was quite a, an effective strategy, but not quite as efficient now as you've just pointed out. And then one of the other things is some people tend to accumulate um, small balances in their fund. They go from um, job to job. So is there a, a small balance amount that you can just, you know, get out so it doesn't get used up in fees and stuff? If, if you have uh, less than $200 in uh, an account and that was contributed by an employer that you're no longer working with, um, you can apply to have that paid out. Uh, but if someone had a lot of small balances, they might be better off looking at consolidating those into one account and preserve some value there rather than just uh, getting small amounts and, and uh, it being fritted away. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people do that. They, they, they go from, you know, particularly itinerant workers who do some fruit picking here and yes. some grape picking there and, you know, and then they've, they've got a superannuation funds all over the place um, and then you can consolidate them into one and, and save the fees rather than attempting to get them withdrawn. And we are withdrawing things from our superannuation fund. We're looking at the conditions that apply to that. Stephen Pritchard with, of course, Ian Moranti from Nationwide Superannuation Fund. And, and, and some people who, who are facing severe financial hardship, they, they can also get some assistance from the fund in, in certain circumstances as well. Is that, is that uh, right? Yes, they, they may, Stephen. Uh, the payment of a financial hardship benefit uh, is not... Uh, 
done by all funds. It's a discretion of the fund. So some funds may uh, pay that benefit and some may not. So it would be a matter of inquiring with your particular fund. To satisfy the financial hardship, though, you have to have been receiving government support or Centrelink support for at least 26 weeks. So there are some conditions on uh, being able to access a benefit through that uh, condition of release. And is there any restrictions on what you can use the money for? Uh, it's a matter of proving that you're in financial hardship uh, because of certain financial circumstances and the fund or the trustees of the fund then assess uh, whether or not they consider that there is sufficient evidence being provided. Right, so they can't just say, I'm in financial hardship. You've got to come up with some yes, proof. Yes, normally you, you would have proof of uh, outstanding accounts, etc., some documentary right, evidence, right. and it may even involve a, uh, a certification. Okay, and then the other thing that, I, that I've actually personally had to some dealings with for some clients is that... Um, um, if you, if you, for some reason or other, your mortgage payments are behind, um, and there's some way you can access some of your superannuation fund to, to assist you with that. So how does how does that kind uh, of all work? That's one of the conditions under the compassionate grounds uh, condition of release, Stephen, and it is a fairly severe uh, situation where you are going to be faced with the property being forcibly sold by the bank or the financial institution that lent you that money. Right. So it's a fairly dire circumstance. It's not just a matter of case of being behind in your payments or uh, having difficulty keeping up with the payments. It's a fairly severe situation where you're going to be faced with the property being sold. And the, the amount of money that you can get from that is uh, equates to roughly about three months' worth of repayments uh, under your mortgage and the amount of uh, 12 months interest that might be outstanding on the loan. Uh, so it's, a, it's not a, an easy thing to qualify for, uh, but it is available if you are facing that dire circumstance. So you'd have to... The, does, the, does the fund just approve that, or do you need to get um, uh, that, something that's, from... That's again from the Department of Human okay, Services. Okay, so the Human Services approves it, Yes. and then they send it along to the fund Correct. to pay the money. Correct. Okay. And then that that that's all going to take time. Time, yes. You, you know, they're not going to approve that in a week, are they? Yes. I, I'm not sure how long they take, but it, it you wouldn't r rely on it being a quick process. No, I'm sure that's that. And so, so is there any other? Just before we finish up, is there any other? Um, so the money that comes out subject to tax. Uh, yes, hey, you have to be aware of the tax that might be payable on your benefit and the tax does relate to your age, particularly if you're under 55. Even getting a benefit from financial hardship or compassionate grounds, you will uh, have to pay some tax on that in most circumstances. So just be aware of those that if you think you're going to get a certain amount, you have to take into account the tax that will be deducted from it. And the other thing that's tightened up generally is is uh, now when you want benefits out of a fund, they they, they start to this. Now we're starting to, in my experience, asking for identification to satisfy the anti-money laundering requirements. Correct, yes. So you're going to have to come up with your passport or your driver's licence or those other documents. Correct, yes. Yep. And be have prepared to prove for that. who you are. Yes, prove who you <laughs> are. Good. Can't launder money. And that's uh, Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Ian Morandi from Nation. Nationwide Superannuation Fund. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. We'll do it again.
next Thursday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>